Craig Bishop and the Council Roundup. All right, so Council Roundup, each and every weekday, uh, Wednesday that is, here on the WMAY Morning News Feed, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to Head West. It's a review of what happened last night at the Springfield City Council meeting. Of course, they meet each and every Tuesday, and we uh, wake up bright and early. I download it on my phone, listen to it on double time while I'm on the treadmill, and Well, it took all five miles for me to uh, digest last night's Springfield City Council meeting. So, nice hour and a half long meeting. Good, concise, and important conversations about things. Of course, they started their budget hearings last night as well. We will not be reviewing that. But here on the Council Roundup, we will be reviewing ordinances that are up for consideration in the Committee of the Whole. And the Committee of the Whole is where... They have first reading of ordinances, and then they determine if it's going to go on the consent agenda for next week, where they'll vote all bills that are on the consent agenda as one. And they decide at the Committee of the Whole, which was last night, which bills will go on to the debate agenda. Uh, So these ordinances impacting Springfield, but I also want to encourage people who don't live in Springfield, this is important to know because likely you're coming to Springfield to spend your tax dollars and how those dollars are allocated. So some of the things we'll be getting to um, uh, coming up, a conversation about TIF districts and renewing TIF districts and getting other local governing bodies on board with ideas to extend TIF districts. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Right now, we'll get a little bit of an update on the um, the, the operations of CWLP, and they're going to be spending some money to uh, do a review of sorts. Uh, was this was this contract bid? It's all been uh, Chuck Redpath. CWLP's Doug Brown. This is uh, on the ongoing work that we've had, uh, along with the ash ponds and the lime ponds. Um, they're kind of <clears throat> intricate because the, the existing lime ponds are on the ash ponds right now. And uh, Hanson is doing the work for the ash ponds uh, that are some of the preliminary work. So they're going to this right now for these services as well. So it wasn't bid. No. (laughs) So it wasn't bid. Um, Alderwoman Conley, who is the chairperson of last night's committee of the whole meeting, asking more questions about this. I see that this is expected to be completed within two and a half years. Are we going to be getting regular updates on the status of, of this study? I know this issue is, is a really hot topic for a lot of people, so. It's not really a study. This is the engineering design work. Sorry, the engineering design work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the efforts from this will produce, um, you know, design documents and construction documents that we would bid uh, for the actual uh the work to be performed. And uh, Brown uh, provided a little bit more detail about what that work could entail, dealing with, uh, you know, coal ash ponds and and the like. So in this regard, the first step is basically to, you know, have them complete the design of the relocation of the lime ponds, get that out for bids, and then uh, then construct it. Okay, thank you. So probably your next update would probably be us bringing back really the construction documents or the proposals to award for a contractor to, to, to do the work more than, more than likely. Later on in the meeting also, um, there were questions about ash ponds versus, uh, I think he's saying lime ponds, uh, and, and they're different. Uh, so, you know, you'll see the, the ash ponds are, are 
being cleaned up uh, and they're not in use, but um, they're looking to, of course, how to mitigate uh, those things moving forward. And that's going to come with a cost. Uh, and the cost could be, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, so you'll hear more about that, I imagine, in the future. Uh, now let's shift to a conversation I think is important, and it can get kind of convoluted when talking about tax increment finance districts. What exactly is a tax increment finance district? All right, how to put this in the most simple terms. Um, a TIF district is a jurisdiction that a government approves to allow for the property tax pool to be split and for any increased increments of property tax values and the taxes uh, generated from that goes into a new pot of money. The old pot of money still has money being generated, but it's any of the increase above and beyond when the TIF district was created, the extra money goes into a little pot of money that's used for economic development. So that's what the TIF is. It splits the property tax dollars into separate pots uh, to allow for one pot to pay for, you know, revitalization efforts for blighted areas, for instance. Well, there's an effort underway to renew the Enos Park TIF district and a, I believe, the Madison area TIF district. So that movement's moving forward, but it comes with a little bit of a carrot and stick, I guess. Here's Alderwoman Turner questioning uh, the relationship between the push to renew this TIF district for Enos Park and getting the Park District on board, which is a separate governing body, a separate taxing body. It seems like that we are agreeing to return a little over $650,000 to the Park District if they will give us a letter of support for the extension of the TIP. So, and that money is supposed to go for improvements to parks, property within the um, TIF District. Is that correct? Uh, yes, ma'am, that is correct. She continues with her questions. I'm just really not sure what what improvements they would do for almost $700,000 to those two very small parts. Uh, that's a legitimate question. Uh, is that spelled out in the ordinance? That's an awful lot of money for us to give them for a commitment to be spent in those two very small areas. So if we could find out what the expectation is for that funding, that would be great. Maybe we'll hear more about that. Um, here's more uh, from Alderwoman Turner. So we- oh, I'm sorry, here's Corporation Counsel Jim Zirkel. That's not Alderwoman Turner. So we, the city has already letters from the, several of the other taxing bodies for both, and that was just following that uh, pattern with the park district. The funding, my memory is the funding between the two, I think the Enos Park portion of that is about 400. I think the remaining 200 is the uh, Madison Park, contingent on both of those being uh, extended. And, and that has to be done by the state. So there's an effort underway to do that. Uh, Alderwoman Turner, she gets it. I understand what's what's happening here that, you know, that we're trying to get this letter of support by any means necessary. But I just think that we have to be, we should be realistic and upfront about that and, and what what is the return what is the return for this money that we're expending great question uh alderwoman conley wanting more detail as well could we please have a list of the parks that are covered by tiff districts that would also be eligible for funding from this 
600 and some odd thousand dollars should there be leftovers if that could be included as part of the language that is brought for brought to us next week so we'll likely hear more about this as the measure was put on the debate agenda to essentially give the park district close to seven hundred thousand dollars for a letter of support for extending the tiffs uh, we'll hear from Mayor Jim Langfelder uh, about what parks would be impacted by this, but also hear from Alderman Joe McMiniman, who has some concerns. So stay tuned. It's on the way here with the Council Roundup. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Back with the Council Roundup. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. 725 on the WMAY morning news feed, 92.7, 94.7, and 970 a.m., I'm your host, Greg Bishop, chopping up last night's Springfield City Council meeting and giving you the highlights. And now uh, let's hear from uh, Alderman Joe McMiniman, who's raising some questions about the uh, TIF plan that has the Springfield Park Board giving a letter of uh, approval if the city gives the Park Board about six hundred dollars or $700,000. Alderman Joe McMiniman uh, says this could set a, uh, a troubling precedent. Could we please have a And uh, that's Alderman Conley. Uh, here's Alderman Joe McMiniman. I think it's a very self-serving approach to uh, our effort at the city to improve our neighborhoods, especially the neighborhoods that need help. And what the park district is doing is, is saying, okay, we're gonna strong arm you city and we won't let you improve your city unless you give us some of the money. And I think if we set this precedent, who knows what other local jurisdiction will have the same approach. It could be the airport authority. It could be the, the township. It could be uh, Lincoln Land Community College. It could be any of them can strong arm the city like this. And what's particularly disturbing is that we got a former alderman on the park district, and I don't know, it, it seemed that from prior conversations, his hand may have been involved in this to some extent. I think I'm very disappointed in what's happening at the park district. Alderman McMiniman continuing on with his uh, criticism of this. And uh, by the way, I have reached out to um, a former Springfield alderman who is on the park board. Uh, hopefully we can touch base with them. Uh, possibly today. I don't know. I said I got 750 open or uh, sometime this week. So uh, we may hear more detail about this from the park district's perspective. But more from Alderman McMiniman, who says a citywide approach is a good approach when talking about extending the TIF. But I don't like this uh, approach by the park district at all, taking $600,000 from uh, the uh this TIF district that needs all the help it can get, including the 600,000. And this has been pointed out, if they were gonna do something useful with the 600,000, that'd be one thing. But um, we've got two micro parks there and there's a limit that what can be done to those micro parks. So uh, let's think this through, uh, Mr. Mayor and, and the others. I, I know that you, we, we want the extension of the TIF, but we don't wanna be, uh, treated this way when we do so that's all i got now mayor jim langfelder um has a little bit more detail on the questions raised earlier by alderwoman conley about what parks are going to be impacted by this and uh he lays out some of those parks one is uh robin roberts stadium chamberlain park uh, comer cox places like that and so this gives us the opportunity to work together and uh, with regards to other taxing bodies, this is a unique situation where this taxing body actually has 
facilities within the areas we're trying to improve. So that's the difference. Unlike Capital Township, on the other hand, that's the one held, holding us for hostage. So the mayor and other uh, officials from other governing bodies within this uh, this this taxing uh, tax increment finance district, they've been working together to try to get the legislature to approve uh, extending the TIFs. Uh, so the state legislature has to actually, you know, get this in a vote and, and pass it in both chambers. Uh, so trying to get them on board has been a little bit tough. Here's the mayor. Well, the fall session never happened. And then in the veto session, which never happened. So now that we have the spring session coming up, I intend to uh, bring this forward through the legislature, talking to our local legislative leaders to bring both of those in because Enos Park needs it. But what needs it worse is definitely the extension of Madison Park Place that would take in the Pillsbury area, which is probably one of our most dilapidated neighborhoods uh, within this city. So the intent is to bring them both forward because they both need the help. But in unison, working with the Park District, I think it's going to be a win-win. I think there needs to be definitely clarification on what the intended purpose are with the funds that's been requested by Alderwoman Turner. And then what's been brought up by all of you and uh, move forward with a clearer picture of what uh, is going to transpire through the agreement. And Alderwoman Turner uh, had a lot of questions about this. So it, so it wouldn't be over the life of the tip. We would give them that money up front. That is correct. Okay. So we'll learn more about this, of course, next week. But Alderman Proctor did want to put his two cents in and uh, address, you know, some of the the quality of the uh, the park district's uh, features that are going to be impacted by this. Regards to the two parks located in the TIF district, Nias Park, I, I can attest that they are uh, neglected. Um, each time I visit them, there'd be broken playground equipment, broken lighting, broken fences, trees, landscaping needed to take care of, and um, it wasn't done. So I think, you know, it's good that we were able to, you know, target this money for, you know, the parks. So this issue has been put on the debate agenda. We'll see if it gets amended uh, moving forward. Maybe have a park district official uh, in front of the council next week. We shall see, but we'll bring you all of that here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Coming up next, uh, we will get to citizens addressing the council. Uh, so stay tuned for that here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. And the council roundup, looking at last night's Springfield City Council Committee of the Whole. So they talked about this uh, TIF districts and the collaboration with the park districts to try to get uh, the park districts to give a letter of uh, recommendation and support for extending a couple of TIF districts in Springfield, uh, just as long as the park district gets you know, almost $700,000. Uh, I do have a message into a former Springfield alderman who's on the park board, uh, and hopefully we can connect with them at some point, either later this morning, uh, probably not, uh, or sometime this week so we can get the uh, park district side of this conversation. Uh, but let's get into what happened last night with citizens addressing the council. So ultimately, at the end of every Springfield City Council meeting, be it a committee of the whole or be it a full council meeting, they opened it up for public comment, and there was uh, some public comment to be had. Uh, last night's the first one up. Are they in chambers or are they on the phone with us? They, uh, one is in chambers for sure, and that's Sam Arnold Hakim. 
So uh, Sam gets up there, and uh, he is raising issue about the rail relocation of the rail lines through downtown Springfield and its impact. And we've been talking about this with the Council Roundup for months. Uh, the impact the construction's having on homes in that area. And you've been hearing issues pop up with, you know, the city's going to uh, buy this home out, buy that home out. How close do the homes have to be to the project to be able to be bought out? Uh, are they not going to be bought out? How are the funds going to be used to make that lot whole? Uh, because a lot of the construction, as you're as you're hearing from some of these citizens addressing the committee, it's detrimental to uh, their foundation. Uh, but Sam got up there and he he was speaking for his niece, who he said uh, was in quarantine at the moment, so couldn't join the council in person. Uh, so he read a little bit of the letter uh, from his niece. I also got a hold of my alderman, Christian DeCenso. She said, us people have been coming out of the woodwork. So with the back and forth between Mr. Austin and the older lady, we still have no answers except don't put any money into it because we won't be reimbursing you. He continued on how this is causing some health problems for um, uh, his niece and uh, his niece's mom. I believe that would be his sister. Uh, so he uh, continues on to talk a little bit more about some of these major problems. Why was we never contacted by anyone about possibly a buyout or just fixing it? I would gladly let any one of you aldermen and the mayor the chance to come look for yourself. So he uh, talked again about the foundational structure, uh, how the vibrations of the trains and the construction is uh, shaking their foundation and their pipes and the sewer systems and so on. It's just causing a whole host of problems. Now, Alder Woman DeCenso took a little bit of umbrage with uh, how her uh, conversations with people impacted by this have been characterized. Anyone on this council and the general public knows that I have been an advocate for people like your niece um, and homes along the 6th Street corridor um, because this has been a nightmare. And that's why I voted present on one of these tonight because I agree with you that this should have been taken care of before anything else happened. And Alderwoman DeCenso has for months uh, been prominent in her criticism of how this has been handled and advocating for residents impacted by this uh, to be bought out. I don't have the, I don't have the, if it were up to me, you'd be bought out. If it were up to me, all those houses would be bought out, but it's not up to me. She said it's up to uh, the city as a whole, along with uh, the engineers and the federal government even has a role in all of this. Uh, but ultimately, uh, she, she continues on. I, I've been on your side, so it's a little offensive to me that someone is saying that I haven't been on their side. I think everyone up here can tell you that I have fought this battle for months and months and months. So um, this is up to the city, and uh, which means public works and Hanson Engineering at this point. Now, um, the gentleman uh, citizen there speaking on behalf of his niece didn't necessarily want it to come across that they were criticizing Alderwoman DeCenso. We didn't mean that you wasn't on our side. We appreciate all the help we can get, even from... Ward 3 to Ward 1 to anybody could help us out in this situation. We cannot just keep living like this. No, this is crazy. <laughs> 
And then he uh, did a little bit of a science experiment with like a cup of water and some vibrations and wasn't really caught up too well on the uh, the mic audio. But um, yeah, he, uh, he got some answers and uh, he got uh, the issue of, of their particular home front and center in front of public works in front of the city. So uh, this is an ongoing issue with the rail relocation, the construction and its impact on these homes down there and how people are going to be made whole by this. All right. Uh, next up, another citizen addressing the council, John Keating, if you remember. He is a local activist. He uh, ran for the state house as a member of the Green Party against Sue Shear. Uh, and he's uh, been critical of uh, how police are militarized and uh, communications and community work that police are doing. Uh, but he has something else he's raising about uh, police uh, at last night's city council meeting, and it deals with the thin blue line. There are the thin blue line flags, but more pertinent is the thin blue line cross. The Brewster County in Texas was sued and settled in 2016 for, by the Freedom from, Freedom from Religion Foundation because having a cross on a government-owned vehicle is generally a violation. And I've seen this shared around on social media. Somebody snapped a picture of a uh, Springfield police vehicle and it had a uh, cross with a thin blue line through it uh, and runs afoul to some people. John Keating raising the issue that, you know, we shouldn't be having religious symbols on uh, the public vehicles. Uh, but he also has issues with the thin blue line in general, not just a thin blue line cross, but the thin blue line Symbol. Saying that I can't empathize with what it's like to be a police officer. I understand that they need a symbol of unity because it's not something that any of us go through, but we also can't control how symbols are used and how they evolve. He uh, continues on. And when we're moving towards more community policing, more community relations with the law enforcement here in town, I don't think the image that we want to send is that it's an us against them because that's not how any of this is going to work to move forward. And he said, listen, uh, symbols uh, obviously can uh, be misconstrued. Uh, and he said he didn't want to make a comparison between the thin blue line and other symbols, but in a way he did. Comparing these symbols and their ideology directly whatsoever, but nobody looks at a swastika and sees the, the Sanskrit for well-being. Things evolve over time, and we need to be cognizant of that fact and the image that we're portraying. I don't, and a number of other folks here in the city don't think it's proper to have something that is now viewed, even though it didn't start that way, as a political symbol on our municipally owned vehicles. Now, uh, this typically doesn't happen right away, but the uh, Springfield Police Department was there to respond to John Keating's uh, concerns. And Assistant Chief Scarlett got up there and talked a bit about the history of the Thin Blue Line. Thin Blue Line has become symbolic in our profession as a tribute to those who've lost their lives sacrificing in the line of duty. And it's actually quite amazing how uh, long of a history the Thin Blue Line has in society. I mean, it's, it's generations long. Uh, as to the symbology of the thin blue line. In fact, our mourning bands that we wear when we recognize those that have died in the line of duty is a uh, black uh, band with a thin blue line between it. The item that we give the family of the fallen officers is a thin blue line flag. I can't help the fact that not only over the last couple of years, but specifically this past couple of weeks, uh, that extremists chose to hijack that flag and walk it through the Capitol. And for that, I'm embarrassed that someone would even consider doing that. And that's exactly opposite of what law enforcement in that thin blue line represents. 
This symbol in no way represents racism or bigotry or anything associated with hatred. In fact, it's now our job as law enforcement officers to overcome what happened here recently in the last couple of years. And beyond the thin blue line, there's a thin green line that represents the military. There's a thin red uh, line that represents the fire department and a yellow line for dispatchers and so on. I think it's important that we as a community, as law enforcement, as citizens of the community, as the council, we come together to understand uh, one another's thoughts, understand the meaning and symbolism of this emblem, which is sacred to law enforcement. This is uh, Assistant Chief Scarlett last night in front of the Springfield City Council Committee of the Whole reacting to a citizen who brought forward concerns about seeing a thin blue line cross on a Springfield police vehicle. And I think it's important that we recognize that law enforcement is made up of every race, every sex, every religion. And for those few hours that we spend on the clock protecting and serving the citizens of this Springfield, what we're known by is the patch and the badge. And that's, that's all we do. We respond to calls for service. It doesn't matter the race, the sex, the religion, anything else of the individual we're going to serve and protect. We have a duty and an obligation, and we took an oath, and that's what we'll do. And that's what that thin blue line represents. So he concluded his comments, and Alderman Sean Gregory said it's good to have these conversations. They're not easy conversations, but it's good to have them. Mr. King, you know, I, I always talk with you. I appreciate you coming, bringing this up. I appreciate Ms. Smith uh, uh, putting this out. And uh, I think it's an important conversation. It can't be a conversation that we're scared of, and, and, and uh, it'll be all right. We'll have, a, we'll have a great conversation, and, you know, we'll... You know, it's on the mayor and the chief for what they're going to do, but I think after we have a, a great conversation, I think everybody can uh, come to a, a great resolution and we can move on as a city. And that's your council roundup from last night's Springfield City Committee of the Whole. Uh, of course, next week we'll bring you the full council meeting and the outcome of some of the major things they talked about last night. So it's right here with the WMAY Morning News Feed.